1: GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture Coming up on today's program, SAS Canola says a proposed $600 million plant designed to develop canola-based aviation fuel is important for farmers We'll hear from SAS Canola Executive Director Tracy Broughton As well the Saskatchewan feeder cattle markets were showing some downward pressure this past week. Provincial Cattle Specialist Fonda Froats will join us for that. A weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission yesterday afternoon. And the Manitoba Ag Days Innovation Showcase is back for its fourth year. We'll hear from Teresa Valaton, who is their Communications Coordinator. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX and Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. <laughs> Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, it's mainly sunny here in the Yorkton area today, and we have some milder temperatures to enjoy. Yeah, milder temperatures,
2: light winds, a nice combination of a pretty decent day. Temperatures are above normal, normally minus 6 on this date. On the average, we're up to uh, close to zero for our high. And with the wind... Generally, on the lower side of 10 to 20, more often than not closer to 10, that means uh, while we were in these milder temperatures, the wind chill also staying in the uh, minus single numbers, so a nice afternoon all around. There is some cloudiness that's going to work in, but what there's not is much instability. Storm system slides in from the west. Right now it's a trough sitting Let's see, this is a couple of hours old, so it shifted a little bit. It's into uh, eastern Alberta, now central Montana, and just slowly sliding eastward. As that moves eastward a little bit more through the day, through tonight, cloud over. But the moisture, very limited. There is some showing up in the mountains. I think once it gets away from the mountains and loses that little bit of lift that it picked up over it, it starts to pick up more of that uh, downslope across Alberta. We should see uh, most of that dry up. Not out of the question that a secondary little disturbance coming in tomorrow brings a couple of flurries, but I don't think anything that's going to be of any consequence for us, uh, for the entire region. Not not even one of those where it skirts north. This should be a very uh, dry passage overall the primary core of energy is actually the disturbance is sitting over the western part of the country right now. It's mostly in the Washington side of the border, but British Columbia getting a few of these heavier showers. That is dropping southeastward, just sort of indicating where the general flow is. There is high pressure sitting over the eastern US. It's not really impacting Canada at all directly, but it is causing a bit of a block in the overall pattern, and it's that block that's affecting us. So a little bit of a ridge trying to build up Right ahead of this disturbance coming in today, it will collapse a bit, but try to build right back in and should have a little bit more success as the week goes on. And the result of that ridge is that we're going to see temperatures remaining above normal Uh, near one degree tomorrow, minus seven the low tomorrow night gentle breeze, too. Cloud and sunshine mixed on Thursday, high of minus one, and as that ridge starts to build up, it is going to be a bit breezy on Friday, but a mixture of cloud and sunshine, the temperature getting up to around three. We should hold in a pretty decent shape heading through the weekend, mostly sunny sky on Saturday. Chance for some flurries, though, on Sunday as the temperature starts to drop back, and we are back to, uh, we will say,
1: reality for uh, much of next week. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw is at minus 4 degrees. Swan River, minus 2. Dauphin, 0. Brandon, Show Lake, Russell, minus 3. Roblin, minus 6. Regina is reporting in at minus 4. Saskatoon, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, minus 1. Hudson Bay, minus 2. Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, plus 1. The Yorkton-Melville region has a partly sunny sky, a south-southwest wind at 17 kilometers an hour. 70% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus one degree. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of minus one degree and dropped to a low of minus 12 degrees. There was a trace of precipitation that fell in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is minus 6 degrees. The normal low is minus 14 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 8.18 this morning, and it will set at 4.54 this afternoon. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hot spot was Emerson, which got up to minus 1. The cold spot was Tadouli Lake at minus 26. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was Loon Lake at plus 4 degrees. The cold spot was Prince Albert at minus 17 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. It's time now to check in once again with Tonya Cherry. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. SAS Canola says a proposed $600 million plant designed to develop canola-based aviation fuel is important for farmers. Alberta-based Reconciliation Energy Transition, which develops energy projects with Indigenous equity ownership, is in talks with agriculture companies and energy companies about investing in the project. SAS Canola Executive Director Tracy Broughton says the proposal would expand markets for prairie farmers.
0: Well I think that any domestic market opportunity for our farmers is a really great opportunity for diversification of the canola industry. I know uh, 90 percent of our canola grown in, in western Canada is exported so any opportunity for it to be processed here in the prairies is just helps to reduce some of the risks that might come with trade.
1: She says this is also part of the new clean fuel regulations in Canada to ensure we have a sustainable fuel source.
0: Yeah, and canola is an excellent feedstock for the Clean Fuel Regulation because it's such a, a sustainable crop and it's the technology allows for renewable diesel now to be inserted into into regular diesel without any kind of additives or anything. It's basically the same type of fuel.
1: Broughton says there'll be involvement in the project from the indigenous community.
0: Yeah, it looks like it looks like
1: there is. She explains how the plant will fit with the objectives of the canola industry.
0: Well, we are just always looking for new market opportunities for our growers to to sell their canola right here on the prairies.
1: Broughton says there's the possibility of a canola aviation fuel plant in Saskatchewan in the future.
0: Again, I think that helps farmers to reduce some of the risks that they face with respect to Saskatchewan being a a landlocked province. It's always great to have processing right here so that farmers can truck their canola to the plant and, and then it gets processed from there. We do rely, our farmers rely a lot on rail service and as we know that has been somewhat unpredictable for a number of years.
1: She believes that this type of project will go ahead.
0: There definitely are, have been a, a, f- a few projects announced recently and it just demonstrates the, the level of demand that has increased in the canola industry in the, the last number of years. I've been working with the canola industry for over a decade and the, the production has doubled. So there definitely is enough supply out there to, to be servicing these local markets.
1: Broughton says there's a report that this Calgary plant could use up to a million acres of canola.
0: Yeah, and, and there's definitely a lot of, in, within Saskatchewan here, there are 10 million acres of canola grown typically on any given year.
1: And she says at least two new canola crushing plants are set to be built in Regina.
0: Mm-hmm, yes. And so that, uh, that brings the crush capacity up in Saskatchewan as well.
1: And she says some Saskatchewan canola could end up heading to the planned aviation fuel plant in Calgary.
0: It's quite possible. It definitely depends on farmers will deliver the, the grain where, where the market signals are. So I guess it, it would depend on, on the, what the prices were and farmers' delivery off.
1: A final decision on the proposed aviation fuel plant from canola oil is expected by next summer. The first plant would be built near Calgary with a second possible plant in Saskatchewan. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report. And that's a presentation of Lane Realty. When it's time to sell the farm, call Lane Realty, your trusted and experienced farmland real estate company. To include your property for showings, call 620-7260 or visit lanerealty.com. Beef and Forage Report. Each year, Canadian Cattle Young Leaders, or CYL, selects 16 program participants ages 18 to 35 from across the country and offers industry networking, travel and skill-building opportunities. A focal point of the program is matching participants with a hand-picked mentor in their specific area of interest in the Canadian beef industry for a nine-month mentorship experience. The CYL has announced this year's industry-leading mentors who are investing their expertise and time to lend a helping hand to the next generation of the Canadian beef industry. Mentors for the program are located all around the country, with even a couple outside of Canada this year. This year, the pair-ups include Tyson Ringdall of Saskatchewan. He'll be mentored by Gord Roger. James Kinley of Manitoba will be mentored by Shiloh Penrod. And Stefan Bau of Manitoba will be mentored by Jerry Doane. And that's today's beef and forage report. It's time now for the Agriview portion of our program, and that's a presentation of new era AG technologies in Swan River. GX 94 Agriview. As expected, agriculture and Agri-food Canada, or AAFC, avoided making any major revisions to its November Supply and Demand estimates, waiting until Statistics Canada issues its next production report on December 2nd. While AAFC tweaked its November Supply and Demand estimates from October, most of the changes were among the 2022-23 pulses and special crops. Of the pulses, there were slight decreases in exports for dry peas and dry beans, while that for chickpeas was bumped up a little. In the special crops, mustard had its exports trimmed and those for canary seed were raised slightly. As well, there were also some small alterations to the domestic use of dry peas, dry beans, and mustard. Endings for those three, plus chickpeas, canary seed, and sunflower seeds, saw minor revisions. Among the grains and oil seeds, 2022-23 all-wheat data, including spring, durum, and winter wheats, saw its exports nudged up and its carryout eased back. Seven commercial poultry farms in DC's Fraser Valley have been quarantined because they've tested positive for a highly infectious avian flu. The province's Ministry of Agriculture says the farms tested positive between November 16th and November 19th. Six are in Abbotsford and one is in Chilliwack in the Fraser Valley, the same area where more than 17 million birds were culled in 2004 when avian flu swept through numerous farms. The Ministry says producers within a 10-kilometre radius have been notified and all infected farms have been placed under quarantine by the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. A Manitoba College is offering a new swine production program. Assiniboine Community College's Swine Production Foundations Program will begin accepting students next month. Developed together with Manitoba Pork, the online and self-directed course will provide learners with an understanding of swine operations, including regulations, health and safety, record-keeping, and barn systems and maintenance. The program consists of three courses. Swine Operation Foundation explores the responsibilities of a swine technician related to swine operations. The structure and scope of the swine industry, including biosecurity, is also discussed. Professionalism for Swine Tech teaches students about preparing for and understanding the workplace, interacting efficiently, and sharing organizational visions. And Swine Production Practices 1 looks at stockmanship and animal welfare responsibilities. Production practices throughout a pig's life and a pig health care are also taught. Cargill says Brian Sykes will take over as the Global Commodities Traders' new president and CEO effective January 1st. Sykes will succeed Dave McLennan, who has served as Cargill's CEO and chairman since 2013. McLennan will now assume the role of executive chair of Cargill's board of directors and will serve as a strategic advisor to Sykes and ensure a smooth leadership transition. Sykes, who will become the company's 10th CEO, has been with Cargill for 31 years and currently serves as chief operating officer. His previous posts included stints as president of Cargill's meats division in Canada, president of its North American protein arm, and senior vice president in charge of the company's global protein and salt businesses. During his stint as head of the global protein business, he oversaw the company's expansion into plant-based protein products. And consumers could be impacted if the U.S. railroads and rail unions can't agree on a contract in two weeks. Consumers could see higher gas prices and shortages of some of their favorite groceries during the winter holiday season if railroads and all of their unions can't agree on new contracts by an early December deadline. The likelihood of a strike that could paralyze the nation's rail traffic grew on Monday when the largest of the 12 rail unions, which represents mostly conductors, rejected management's latest offer that includes a 24% raise. With four of the 12 unions holding out for a better deal, it might fall to Congress is to impose one to protect the U.S. economy. I'm Norman Hall. And that's the ag review portion of our program. It's time now to head back out once again to Tonya Cherry. Hi. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's partly sunny and minus one degree in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Saskatchewan feeder cattle markets were showing some downward pressure this past week. Provincial cattle specialist Fonda Froats compiles the weekly cattle market update. For the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture.
3: Well, I hate to come out with bad news, but feeder prices were actually steady and mostly down for the week. But let's keep in mind that these prices are still the strongest we've seen since about February 2016. So there's something. <laughs> uh, the feeder steer prices were lower across all categories for the week. Prices ranged from three twenty-two thirteen per hundred weight for the three to four hundred pound weight category to two eighteen thirty-three for the 900 plus pound weight category. The largest decline was 1220 per hundred weight for the three to 400 pound weight category. The remaining categories were between unchanged to down 245 per hundred weight. An average weekly prices for Saskatchewan heifers were mostly down when compared to the previous week, except for the seven to 800 pound category. Prices ranged from $238.04 per hundredweight for the three to 400 pound category to $2.38 per hundredweight for the 800 plus pound category. Opposite of last week, where heifers between 7 to 800 pounds had the largest decline, they actually had the only increase of 117 per 100 weight to end the week at 206.60. The largest declines were in the bottom, so the three to 400 weight, to the top, the 800 pound category, which were down 1035 and 687 per 100 weight,
1: respectively. She outlines the factors behind these changes
3: yeah, as I said, the market is still considered strong, but the steady price feed is limited, limiting the cost of gain advantage and therefore influencing our feeder cattle pricing. Still, last week, we seen pricing between forty and up to sixty six dollars per hundredweight above last year's prices across the weight categories for steers and
1: heifers. As for marketings,
3: CadFacts reported Saskatchewan feeder cattle volumes at 39,242 head over the week, and this was up from 31,782 head the previous week. This is above the 30,101 head marketed during the same week last year. We're slowly gaining on the feeder cattle marketing year-to-date, and we're now 13% below 2021.
1: And as for market-ready cattle prices...
3: Yeah, Canfax did not establish a price on Alberta-fed steers over the week, but we did see Alberta cows mixed last week, and this is compared to the previous week. D2 slaughter cows increased 51 cents per hundredweight from the previous week to average 90.30, where D3 slaughter cows were down 133 per hundredweight to average 77.17 per hundredweight.
1: Provincial cattle specialist Fonda Froats compiles the weekly cattle market summary for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock in Verdun. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for December are trading at 153.57. That's up 2. February live cattle trading at 156.22, down 50. January feeder cattle trading at 181.75, down 87. March feeder cattle trading at 184.45, down 65. December lean hogs trading at 84.05, up 2. 25, February lean hogs trading at 89.55 down 60. And that's the livestock market conditions. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. A weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission yesterday afternoon.
4: The extension of the Black Sea Corridor and Russia's dominance in the wheat market pressured wheat prices last week, causing farmers to stop selling and buyers to take the opportunity to snap up cheaper supplies. In the significant purchases and trades last week, Saudi Arabia bought 1 million tons of wheat which we reported last Monday, Iraq bought 200,000 tons of U.S. wheat, Egypt bought 300,000 tons of December-January Russian wheat at $362 a ton. USA reportedly brought wheat from Poland. More on this later. Mexico and Brazil are thought to have purchased Russian wheat, and U.S. weekly sales were at the low end of expectations at 290,000 tons. Here's some of the most important news that happened in the wheat markets last week. The big news was the extension of the trade corridor which was extended for another 120 days. While many traders are waiting for the corridor to restart, some of the Ukrainian wheat offers have appeared at a strong discount to non-Black Sea origin. In Canada, week 15 exports were 417,000 tons for a season total of 5.5 million tons, now 48% more than last year. After a slow start, exports are averaging 369,000 tons per week, which is higher than the average amount needed to meet AAFC's 18.3 million ton number. In the 2019-20 crop year, average exports were 356,000 tons per week, which resulted in a total of 18.5 million tons. Bottom line is we think AAFC needs to increase Canadian exports in their next report. Adding support to the spring wheat market is the flooding in Australia. Analysts believe that upwards of 1 million tonnes of wheat has been lost due to the flooding, but say it will be impossible to know for sure until waters recede. The crop is still going to be a large one, but quality downgrades will be large and widespread. This will be positive for Canadian wheat, as Australia is a strong competitor of high-quality wheat into the Asian market. For Canadian Durham, there were stronger bids for Durham last week, which we think could be a result of Tunisia's purchase in the week previous. Posted cash bids in Canada are around $3.70 a bushel, but the actual price is often higher. After a strong week 14 performance, Durham exports in week 15 were lower, at 75.2 thousand tons, for a season total of 1.1 million tons. Seasonally, Durham exports are strong in November and trail off into the winter months, before rising again and peaking in springtime. We would consider selling additional tons of Durham we would target a price of about $14.5 a bushel for a number 1 quad. This would be about $14.35 for a number 3 quad. Seasonally, durum prices rise from September and peak in November. Afterwards, they're relatively flat before turning lower in February. In the U.S. U.S. winter wheat planting is 96% complete, having covered another 4% over the week. 81% of the crop has emerged. Good to excellent ratings for the U.S. winter wheat crop rose 2% from last week to 32% good to excellent. There was some rain in the southeast and far southern plains, but most of the winter wheat belt remained dry, and the forecast has little to no rain for the next two weeks. Commercial U.S. wheat sales for the week were at the low end of expectations at 290,000 tons, for a season total of 12.8 million tons. U.S. wheat is expensive compared to European origin, to the extent that Polish wheat traded into the U.S. East Coast, and Russian wheat was sold to Mexico and Brazil last week. At the time, Russian fob wheat values were around $315 a ton, compared to Argentina at $380 a ton, and U.S. winter wheat at about 410 to $415 a ton. In Australia, Australia has drier conditions in the forecast which are welcome. Harvest has been progressing rapidly in the country's west, but have been very slow in the east. In the west there have been very strong yields, but the full extent of the damage in the east will not be known for a while. Some think that upwards of 1 million tons of wheat production has been lost entirely, and in an upwards of one third of the country's crop will have quality issues. The International Grain Council, or IGC, increased their production number for Australia by 1.2 million tons to 34.7 million tons, which is similar to the USDA's number, but most trade estimates are ranging from 37 to 40 million tons. In Argentina, Argentina received weight rain over the weekend will be dry until week two of the forecast. Harvest started and is now 10% complete against the 20% average. Crop ratings were unchanged from last week at just 8% good to excellent, compared to 59% from last year. There were no changes in farmer sales or export licenses. Argentina's government is expecting their wheat crop to be 13.4 million tons, while the International Grains Council put their number down to 13 million tons. These estimates can be added to the current range of guesses, all the way from 11.8 million tons to the USDA's 15.5 million tons. Argentina's wheat exports through the end of October are down 3% from last year. In the European Union, Matif wheat futures fell 13 euros on confirmation that the Black Sea trade corridor was going to be extended. EU wheat futures then rallied 11 euros on rumors of French wheat sales to China and Morocco and Polish wheat being sold to the US. In the Black Sea, as we've mentioned, the trade corridor was extended for another 120 days. This will allow Ukraine to continue exporting large amounts of grain. But movement has been restricted somewhat from inspection delays in Turkey. Ukraine exported roughly 2 million tons of wheat in both September and October. Ukraine has very limited shipping capacity without these ports. The country can only export a maximum of about 2.7 million tons of all grain per month by rail and truck, compared to the roughly 3 million tons of grain that can be shipped to via their ports. Ukraine's AgMen said that the wheat harvest is complete and a total of 19.4 million tons of wheat was produced. This compares to the USDA's 20.5 million ton number and the International Grain Council's 21.5 million ton estimate. The coming week will be a short one due to the Thanksgiving holiday in the US, so we don't expect much trade. However, the futures could be thin and volatile, with major traders away for Thanksgiving. We expect to see more cash covering by Eastern buyers of Black Sea wheat while it remains cheap compared to North American values. Afterwards, traders will likely start closing the book on the 2022 season. There were rumors of French sales to China. If this is confirmed, and is of significant volume, we could see a rally in European values. In conclusion, we continue to see long-term support for the wheat market and so would hold additional sales for now. For Durham, however, we are looking at increasing sales at the $14.50 a bushel mark. That would be for a number one quad.
1: That's Michael Wilton of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Please stay tuned. Your commodities update is coming up next. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this afternoon. January canola trading at 8.3770, down $7.10. March canola trading at 8.3250, down $5.10. December Minneapolis wheat trading at 9.45 and three quarters, down two and a quarter cents. December Kansas City wheat trading at 9.25 per bushel, that's down nine and a quarter cents. December Chicago wheat trading at seven hundred ninety one per bushel, down eight and a quarter cents. December corn trading at six hundred fifty six and three quarters, down two and three quarters of a cent. January soybeans trading at fourteen twenty nine and a quarter, down seven and a half cents. Farm Bulletin Board. The Manitoba Ag Days Innovation Showcase is back for its fourth year. It features 32 products and services vying for the top spot in each of their seven categories. Teresa Valaton is their communications coordinator.
5: We are very excited
1: about our 32 contenders in this a round
5: of the innovation showcase this is the fourth year of the showcase and every year farmers are um, very interested in seeing what the new and uh, innovative technologies
1: are and so we're very pleased to bring that to the show she gives us a list of the categories
5: so we have seven categories
1: ag technology agribusiness
5: services ag equipment agronomics animal and livestock, farm-built solutions, and then our final category is farm safety which follows in line with this year's theme of farmer health safety
1: and wellness. Valeton says the public can take a look at the 32 products and services anytime they want to.
5: Absolutely. If you go to agdays.com you will find a banner right on our homepage for the Innovation Showcase or the direct link is eggdays.com. Innovations. Each of the 32 contenders have their own link there that will give you a little description about their product, service, or innovation, and you can read all about them there.
1: She notes it will be up to the Innovation Showcase Committee to select the winners of each category.
5: Absolutely. So at the show, the Innovation Showcase Committee will visit with each of the entries, see the innovation in person. So although it's nice to be able to read about them and look at pictures ahead of time, there is nothing like uh, firsthand experience. So all the entries will be there for the judges and then also for everyone who visits the show. So you can come and touch, see the innovation, ask the innovators questions, specific to your operation or specific to your situation and that's the best part about being able to check it out ahead of time and
1: also see it in person. Valaton says the 2023 edition of Manitoba Ag Days is fast approaching.
5: The show will be Tuesday through Thursday January 17th through 19th at the Keystone Centre in Brandon.
1: She says the planning for the event has been going great.
5: We are so excited to be back in person. It is amazing. The plans are great. We have 550 plus exhibitors. We have over 70 speakers lined up. The speaker lineup is
1: exceptional this year. And so we are very, very excited to welcome everyone back to the show in person. Valaton adds that tickets are now available for Manitoba Ag Days.
5: They sure are. Tickets are also available at agdays.com. There'll be a banner right on our homepage where you can buy admission tickets. Early bird tickets are on sale right now, so they are $15 per day, or you can buy a three-day pass for $40. At that same um, eggdays.com, you will also find the 50-50 tickets available now, and those proceeds go to Ag Days Give Back. This year, there are three beneficiaries of egg days Gives back. First, egg in the classroom, Manitoba. Secondly, three post-secondary scholarships are awarded. And this year, our community project was community fire departments. So all the applications for scholarships and fire departments are in, and we are excited to award those scholarships and grants in January.
1: And she closed with these comments.
5: I think we just want to stress that we are so excited to see everyone back at the show in person. We're welcoming you back. All the exhibitors are excited to be there. The speaker lineup is phenomenal. And we are just really looking forward to where the ag year begins. We will be happy to see everyone at the show in person in January.
1: Teresa Valaton is the communications coordinator for Manitoba Ag Days. The 2023 event runs from January 17th to the 19th, at the Keystone Centre in Brandon. And just a reminder that the Parkland Canadian Association of Farm Advisors is having one of their learning events tomorrow at the Community Futures Ventures Office at 204 Smith Street East in Yorkton. It runs from 9 until 10.30 tomorrow morning. There will be two panelists. Blair Harris will be talking about business risk management. And Monty Taphorn with TD Canada Trust talking about financial and credit risk. But you have to RSVP by today. You go to denise at philipchuckmanagement.com for that event. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Moosum and Indian Head, And Yorkton-Melville-Roblin-Russell regions today, partly sunny, winds west-southwest at 10 to 20 and a high of zero. For tonight, cloudy, winds west-southwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus six. For tomorrow, cloudy with a 30% chance of isolated flurries, winds west-northwest at 15 to 25 and a high of plus one. For Thursday, partly sunny, winds west-southwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 1. For Friday, a mix of sun and cloud, a high of plus 3, and Saturday, sunny, a high of 0. In the Paw, it's minus 4 degrees, Swan River is at minus 2, Dauphin 0. Brandon, Show Lake-Russell, minus 3, Roblin, minus 6. Regina is at minus 4, Saskatoon, Broadview-Mooseman, Indian Head minus 1, Hudson Bay minus 2, Winyard-Wadena-Kelvington plus 1. The Yorkton-Melville region has a partly sunny sky, a south-southwest wind at 17 kilometres an hour, 70% is the relative humidity, the temperature is minus 1 degree. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.